Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and our machine runs on beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. And we are the Drunk Guys. Got it. And uh, we are finishing off our month of short stories here at Finback Brewery. Where else? Because they, they can't get us out yet. No. And we are, I think we signed a lease. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting mail delivered here now. And uh, we are joined by Eric, of course, and starting with this very awesome beer that Eric brought that I can't read what it says on the label, so I'm going to pass it to him. Uh, so yeah, what we're actually drinking is a beer called Unoccupied Space. Uh, it is a barrel-aged imperial stout uh, that we brewed with uh, Kane. They're out of New Jersey. And it has chocolate and vanilla. We actually did two different versions of it. Uh, I guess we'll call the one the OG, regular, straight, whatever. And then the other one has chocolate and vanilla. So I broke out the chocolate vanilla for you guys. Mm. We are honored. Uh, I guess I could much. pour you a glass instead of just well, thank you. staring at the bottle. Because I've heard some of you enjoy stouts. Oh. oh They're you, growing on me. You don't say. I, I, I have uh, tried one of these, and I have a bottle or two of the other one. Nice. In my, in my beer cellar. Well, cheers. Cheers. Glad, as always, very happy to have you guys back. So do you guys put, like, baker's chocolate in this? How does that work? Uh, it's nibs, I want to say, on this cacao one. Nibs? And cacao nibs? And what are those? Um, the, I don't know. The cacao tit. It's the, nib- I, the nibbles. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the cellarman, which I've always thought is a wonderful job title, like cellarman. I was like, oh, it sounds like he does something cool. Um <laughs> And they do. They do do something cool. Uh, so I actually am not the one involved in dumping the chocolate in. Um, but yeah, it's more like chunked up chocolate oh, wow. that goes in. And generally, we source our chocolate from uh, a couple places in Brooklyn uh, or Queens. is Where we, so where it grows natively. Natively. Native yeah. chocolate. <laughs> native chocolate. Uh, much like our, choc- our coffee, uh, we get uh, out of Brooklyn or Queens. But yeah, so it's uh, generally like a, a lot of local chocolate place and if i had researched my brain beforehand i would have uh, been able to tell you but yeah it's not like we're dumping in like 10 pound blocks of chocolate it is all you know lumped up like you would think it would be uh, i don't think it's baker's chocolate like i, I want to say that's going to be more bitter than than what we typically use but it's not like milk chocolate either necessarily no no unless yeah. you're uh, evil twin nyc they're doing their candy bar beers yeah yeah so i don't think it's quite candy bar not quite baker's but you know somewhere in between well, it's really delicious. I do get the chocolate. I don't know about the, the vanilla, not as much. It's more chocolate than vanilla. But, but the chocolate is very nice. I probably it mentioned really it, nice. but yeah, this was barrel aged for like 15 months. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, so I get the, like, I smell the bourbon. Yeah. But I think the chocolate must have been added later in to that 15 months, right? Uh, yes. Because so, there's all like oils and shit in there. Uh, yeah. So we, we barrel aged it for 15 months, this one. And then we put it into a mixing vessel. I mean, we actually separated separated out the the two variations. So one was regular, and then the other mixing vessel is where we added the vanilla and the uh, chocolate. Now it's a collaboration, and you guys do a lot of collaborations lately. How how does that work? Like, do you do you make all the beer here? Do they you guys then make the same exact recipe at their place, or do you so, split it for so them to serve some? How does, so generally, it'll be a one brewery will host. So like with Kane, uh, we'll host them here and we'll brew the unoccupied space and then they will host us there and then we'll brew the beer that we brew with them there again i don't remember which one i would say again i actually don't remember which which beer we brewed there the beer we actually brewed with them first and then i conveniently smashed up all my fingers 
the day before. <laughs> so I didn't go and actually brew with them there. So that's unfortunately why I don't know what it is. But my fingers are good now, mm. uh, so I can hold the beer and, and everything. But uh, Was that a brewery-related accident? Uh, it was a me-related accident okay. that occurred in the brewery. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, they hosted us first, uh, over in Jersey and then we invited them over here. And so what'll happen is like the, you know, the main brewers will, will travel to whatever the location is and they'll be here and they've communicated beforehand with like, what style of beer do we want to make? Uh, what, what are we, what are we trying to make together? And sometimes it'll just be random, like whatever. You guys make a lot of IPAs, and, and uh, let's just make another IPA. But with Kane, like they really do make some wonderful dark, like uh, stouts, and and they they're really good with barrel aging. So we definitely knew that we wanted to barrel age some beers with them. And so when we had them here, like obviously we had talked together beforehand about like what style of beer we want to do. And we made sure we had, like acquired the appropriate barrels for like what we thought would be good for this beer, and then and then so in this case, and so that's typically how the collaborations work. One brewery hosts hosts a beer, and then the other brewery hosts like another beer at their place, and then there's lots of like communication about like what we want the beers to be. What'll what'll then happen is the host brewery then sells all the beer. We we always give them beer, but I don't. It's I guess it's up to them about <laughs> whether or not they sell it. But I just assume they usually use it for personal consumption. <laughs> we don't give them like, hey, here's a you know a ton of beer. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and and the same for them. You know, they'll send us a case or two. Five. There was an event for something. I think it was in the Hulk and the Whale came out mm-hmm. that you guys were pouring a collaboration beer, but it was somebody else's label, like a different bottle. I've, Horus. So the that, other Horus beer. Yeah, yeah. So that was really nice. So we did a collaboration with Horus. So he's out of uh, I believe Oceanside, California. His special specialty is uh, barrel aging beers. I don't know if there's like a record, but he set a record last year for the most collaborations, <laughs> and it was like a ridiculous number. Like you can look it up. I'll say 200. Like he wow. did, he did like 200 collaborations last year. Jesus, uh, he is a machine, and so uh, he's known for doing barrel aging. And he reached out to us. And he wanted to do some barrel aging with us here, and so we did, and we released uh, what was called the Hawk and the Whale. Uh, on Black Friday, like a year ago, over a year ago. And then, uh, so we took half the beer and we released it as Hawk and the Whale. The other half, uh, roughly, we took and we barrel aged it for well over a year and we released it as Barrel Age Hawk and the Whale. And then he also sent us some beers that we were then pouring from Horace. So that it was like a, that day you could taste like the original beer. The barrel aged beer, and then some of his other beers, and obviously a bu- bunch of other our beers that day. So it was a nice day. I was there. It was a great day. Yeah, <laughs> there were some very very good beers that day. And I told a story before about uh, the first talk in the whale. How the guy in front of me online bought the last bottle. <laughs> yes, like, uh, I need you Finn back. Yeah, I just can't quit you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's our. Uh, sorry. <laughs> That's all good. We it was actually um, we I, we didn't even plan on coming that day. We we only found out in the morning when I was waiting to buy Bourbon County Stout at a different place because that also comes out on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, "Oh, there's this thing coming out of Finback." I was like, "Well, that's by my house. I'll show. Go check that out." And then I was like, "Well, it's twelve o'clock. I'm gonna take a nap first. And then uh, I got here at like one thirty, and I was like, "That's no, oh, I missed that <laughs> by about a minute." <laughs> Sorry, and that's not your fault. But then they had it on tab again, so I was able to try it, and I was like, "You know what?" I like this uh, this barrel aged one really nice, uh, perhaps even more so. 
And I bought a whole bunch of those. And then my wife was like, how much did you spend on that beer? I was like, honey, ooh, hey, <laughs> who wants a back rub? <laughs> <laughs> who wants a back rub? Would I be do. A, a lovely beer name. <laughs> that is a good, that is a good, uh, that sounds like an evil twin kind of beer. All right. Just put our name or just put at Drunk Eyes Book Club Drunk Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And just, Trademark. Know, we'll, collaboration we'll, we'll with. We'll carry the grains ourselves. I mean, you we guys. We will help you, guys, you brew it. You guys are here every day, so we probably should just do a collaboration. You're here now. Mm-hmm. Find a, a literary. A good thing. book pun. Yeah, a book yeah. pun, yeah. I'll start thinking about that. Tell us about this short story, Nate. All right. So this was. this. So this uh, short story is called The Machine Stops by E.M. Forrester. It is a really interesting futuristic science fiction short story and I had never read anything by Forrester before by E.M. Forrester before so I didn't know that he wrote weird ass science fiction because his famous shit is a passage to India right I believe and a room with a view Mm. which are like Victorian like comedy of manners kind of novels I think I read 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 room with a view in college and they're like "This this is awful this is just terrible, like courting and traveling and like, oh dear. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know if it was a comedy, but I also was a shitty reader of this book. It's like Jane Austen and kind of stuff. So anyway, I really like this and I thought it was a lot of really interesting things it was saying about science fiction, but that's just me. So anyway, no, I liked it too. So, I think uh, it was good. in this futuristic society, everyone lives in airships. It lives in airships and it's just everything is run by the machine. Like, it's like a very futuristic system where all of your needs are met by this sort of computer system. Oh, and by the way, this came out in 1909. First published in Oxford and Cambridge Review, November 1909. So as far as what did he get right, kind of a lot. But anyway, well, but it's also very much like steampunk at the same time. Everyone lives on an airship, and the machine carries, like, does all... All takes care of all of your needs. Moves your chair and draws your bath. People don't actually like speak to each other. Everyone basically does sort of a video telegraph, as they might have said back in the day. But it's really like FaceTime. Yep. You just FaceTime everything. You stay in your room, in your quarters, on the airship, and just. Everyone, their work is just knowledge work. It's like everyone is like, oh, did you have any new ideas? But they're just recycled ideas and they just lecture about yeah. random shit. Anyway, the main character is this uh, woman named Vashti. 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 Right? Vashti. And she has a son named oh, it's like Kino or Kumanu. Kuman. What's his name? <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. Some, oh, fuck. What's or... Keanu. Kuno. Kuno. Kuno was his name. I was pretty close. Yeah, Keanu. <laughs> he, was, he was definitely in the Matrix. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> this is actually <laughs> definitely a little bit Matrix-like. I know, anyway. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> exactly. So she gets a message from her son who, sa- who, who, by the way, she's basically like never met before because this whole thing about how you give birth to this person, but then they are just like taken away and raised by the machine, the combine or the machine is what they were used. And they're just raised in sort of communal nursery kind of things. And you just get to go live your life again. Or after that, she gets a message from him and he says, he's like, I want to meet you yeah, I in meet person you, and go I to the surface I have something I need to tell you. I want to go back to the surface. There's something I need to tell you. So she's like, first she's like, what? No, I don't want to do that. That's weird. But then she goes and does it anyway. Gets on a gets the gets on a different airship that travels to the right thing, and nobody lives on land. Like the land of the Earth is like totally barren, supposedly. 
totally barren. Nobody lives there. You can't live there. You need it's a like... respirator to be outside. But anyway, she goes to talk to her son after a while, and he says, I've been there. I've been outside. First, he was underground, and then he came up through a, like, stopper. That was the word that was used. It was basically like a. You, there were a underground tube. cities, but he managed to find the entrance, which is like a big airlock, which he called a stopper, like in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And then got outside and was like, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. And then managed to get back in. But there were, like, worms attacking them. And there were, like, apparently there was at least some other people. Supposedly, but people aren't supposed to live there. That was what's weird. And they didn't even need respirators. They're yeah. walking around like nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, wow, that's strange. Why did you do that? Well, I want to have ideas and shit. Uh, yeah, exactly. I want to have, I want to feel something. I want to have real feelings. Anyway, there's very Brave New World in this, there's, yeah. which we'll oh, talk yeah. about, which we'll definitely talk about. Then more time passes, and then he sends her a message saying, the machine stops. But in the process, but first people, she's like, what? No, is that it? But so, along the way, people have begun to flat out worship the machine. Yes. Like it's a god. Like she, in well, the, she kisses the manual like it's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like they worship the machine as if it's a god, and everyone's so dependent upon it. That it's not a it's not a machine made by man anymore. It's just this thing that controls man. Yeah, like They've first man made the machine, and now machine basically makes them and has complete control over them. Yep. the The son Keanu sends a message. <laughs> <laughs> sends the message. The machine stops. He's like, "What? That's not possible. No way!" And then it starts breaking down. Yeah. First, no one's able to send a message. Like, she's giving a lecture on whatever random philosophy French Revolution thing she's, like, talking about. Because that's, like, a thing in the book, in the, in the short story. And then, like, everyone's like, well, that's strange. My communication device, my FaceTime has stopped working. Apparently, the machine wasn't under warranty. Yeah, right. Gonna fix that. Those Apple servers just went down. <laughs> uh, you take it to the Genius Bar. I don't know if they service airships at the Genius Bar. I don't know if they can call themselves geniuses then. And then the machine breaks down more. And then it just basically stops. It just basically completely stops working. And people are... Com- and all the people who are on it are com- are helpless. Yeah. 100% helpless to do anything. Because they don't know how to do anything. The machine does everything by itself. They don't know how to fix anything. They don't want to get anything to work. They don't, have to, they don't know how to run the machine. There's a quick scene where Vashti is talking to her son about how... Oh, I finally have seen the people, and we believe in ourselves again, and we see the majesty of the great mountains and actually have, like, real life thoughts again. And then the airship crashes, and everyone dies. The end. But, like, right, yeah, they have this, like, thing where they're like, oh, but good thing, um, you know, it, you know it's, human, it's human's nature, uh, it's human's connection to nature that's important. And we lost sight yes. of that. It's like they built a false god kind of thing. With a machine, you know? False idol. I feel like that's a pretty heavy-handed thing in the, in the story there. Mm-hmm. And then they all fucking die. And uh, that's it. I had only heard about this recently when a friend of mine who is an English professor was saying, oh, I have dumb students and I need to find easy things for them to read. So I make them read this book, this short story, which takes them like a week because they're shitty. And I'm like, ooh, I've heard that name. What's that about? That sounds actually kind of cool. So... And then when we were trying to plan our short story torture quest, like, that's a short story. <laughs> More about that later. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, there are, what's the publication? Date? Like 1909? 1909. It predates most of the dystopian science fiction sci-fi stuff, right? Yeah. You know, 
by a couple decades. Mm-hmm. Right? Was that 1929? Is 1929 Brave New World? 1932? Yeah. So 25 years almost before that. Brave New World, yeah, for sure. That's, I was also going to ask, because like, I'm thinking like airships with the Empire State Building, because we're in New York, but I guess that was in 1920s, late, late, late 1920s that they were trying to do that. So he's even pre-that. Pre-airship, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, air... Pre-Hindenburg. Airplanes yeah. are like... Well, like the All fuck of that. This was just year, barely years after the airplane was invented. And there's a line about it in the story. Something like, first men invented the airplane and they tried to race the sun around the earth, but everyone crashed and died, so they made that illegal. So we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but this was just after the airplane was invented. Wow. What's interesting, uh, I read uh, a different really terrible book, a Bram Stoker book that's not Dracula, called... Um, that's not Dracula? I've read, wait, I've read actually, wait, wait. That happened? He has several he other has books. He has one? I've read two other novels by him that are not, not Dracula. Oh, God. Brom. Um, and one of them is... Uh, oh, yeah, fuck, what's it called? Um, I'll, then, you know what? I don't want to tell you because it's terrible. But basically, <laughs> it was... secret. It, it was savious. written a couple of years after aircrafts were... Like, the like Wright Brothers times, you know? Like, a bicycle fucking thing with tailored wings on it and shit and his understanding of it was so terrible that it's just like oh you could hover on this machine and i could just lift things and i could climb down a rope while i'm on an airplane like dude that's not how that works at (laughs) all you have not seen one of these so for foster to forster to understand it is pretty impressive too like they live in the same goddamn country those dudes like how people it's a new thing He, he understood it better than other people apparently which is impressive. So I'm, I really like science fiction and sort of like the, when, it's, when you're reading futuristic dystopian science fiction, you sort of ask yourself, like, what are they predicting about the future? Are they kind of getting right? One thing is that, that everyone in the society of uh, the machine stops, everyone is completely reliant on the machine, which is a lot like today where everyone is completely reliant on the internet. Can you imagine if the internet ever went down? If the entire internet in the world like completely collapsed and just stopped working, how many things would just be completely fucked up? There would be no Drunk Guys Book Club. No, nope. don't even say it, Eric. <laughs> don't even do it. Oh, the humanity! <laughs> and I guess other stuff would not work. Also, there would be no communication at all because even telephones, Everything. even landline telephones, still go across the internet. There would also be no cell phones. There'd be no internet. There'd be no banking. There'd be no. Probably a lot of different things. No, everything. I mean, really, a lot of society would completely break down. How would I order my dinner? Would the brewing <laughs> process still take place? Yes, but everything we order is over the internet. Oh, fuck. So you'd and have, like, uh, some supplies for a couple days. <laughs> and then the way we apply for our legal licenses and everything is over the oh. internet. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, internet goes down, we're done. Please, Al Gore, invent a backup internet. <laughs> We need you more than ever. Uh, okay, just the fact that everyone is basically FaceTiming each other. That could be a thing for the future, but I think maybe not necessarily. But it is definitely a, he's like, video phones are now only barely a thing, as thanks to Steve Jobs, oh, like four years ago. Five years ago. Wasn't he dead four years ago? <laughs> no, okay, seven years ago. <laughs> finally made video calling a thing. 
Yeah, it, it it was an attempt to do it before, yeah. but it never, never took very off. well. And this was 1909. He's talking well, about. Well, people Tel, like the telephone had only just barely been invented. The, the video phone thing is a logical extension of the telephone yeah. concept, you know. And people have been talking about that ever since telephones. Like, yeah, this is great. What's next? You could look at the person. You know, there's been plenty of other things people had hoped to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he could have gone sniff a phone. <laughs> but instead he went Vitaphone It's like oh Garlic again huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you flushed there Kino Quinoa Whatever the sun's Keanu. name was Keanu Keanu, yeah. Keanu. <laughs> uh, Another thing that I thought Was really interesting Is just the fact that Everyone in this Future society Is like so lonely Because they don't Actually have human contact Physical human contact With anyone It's just all Over the internet mm. Which is really Kind of just like today. That sounds like, similar. Like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's like you're sort of, at least internet-wise, connected to so many more people than you, than people ever used to be. Except surveys show the number of people that feel lonely, the number of people that feel isolated, the number of people that feel like they don't belong has gone way up, not way down. It's kind of like these connections over the internet are actually not real. They don't feel good. Unless you're listening to a podcast by the Drunk Guys Book Club, and then Naturally. it feels amazing. But it is not like real connections. They're fake human connections. And people think they like it, but they don't. They don't are, are actually not any happier for having it. It's like people were happier when they had VHS tapes of pornography, <laughs> and you couldn't just stream it. They were less lonely then. You had to go to a store and talk to a guy, and it was really awkward. And then you'd get a tape, and you'd have to go rewind it and shit. You have to return it. I don't want to pay that extra dollar. I'm rewinding it. You need to know how she got into nursing school. It's important. <laughs> plot there people. Was a plot plot yeah. is important. <laughs> there was a... But yeah, like yeah, uh, the whole internet thing and connections and how everybody communicates and like I know a lot of teachers and they talk about kids that are in school now and they're always talking about like kids still hang out. Kids are always hanging out all the time. But not together. They hang out like online, in in whatever format, you know, the video games or whatever, whatever chat, whatever they're doing now. But yeah, so the kids are still hanging out, but not together. And so it's like a totally different world than like what I grew up in. Sure, very much. Or you see kids, a bunch of kids sitting together in the real world, but they're all on their phones. On their phones, not actually even communicating with each other. They're communicating yeah. with other kids in other areas. It's different. It's terrible. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Like you know, you, you, you start to. There's always, I guess, the element of like, oh, these young kids—they don't know what they've got. You know, once you get a little older and you've experienced, and you realize that the world is different than when you were that age, and you always want to make yourself seem better. But it's like, I'm so fucking glad I didn't have to grow up with all that stuff. We just had regular bullying, which was pretty shitty, but cyberbullying and all that. Oh man, that's worse. I don't want to deal with that. Nobody's ever said to me uh, until recently, "What's Gucci, man?" And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I like when people take photos of me. I don't take forty-eight of them, so I know which ones are good for the gram. Like the pressures that they're under are—I mean, we were all under pressures growing up, but their pressures are very different, very superficial. I really—I miss uh, taking a picture and thinking, "We'll see how that came out in four weeks." Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Ah, he blinked. Oh well. Ah, oh, fuck. Damn it. My Oops. finger's in this one. <laughs> I guess that's not going in the uh, the binder. Oh, they got that demonized thing happening. <laughs> that's gone. Like, there's a whole generation of children that don't have 
they don't even know what the demon, demon eye photographs are. We use red demon eyes for no reason. That's like every picture of me from the nineties. Yeah, yeah well, from birth until yeah, cell phones. Tell Steve Jobs. Yeah, you guys were possessed. <laughs> I don't know if told you that. I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting that he was looking like a hundred years in the future, mm-hmm. and I guess we're mowishly there. Well, ways, we yeah. don't. We're not all living on airships. Yeah, but he in got that. He might have got that one wrong. But I mean, next week. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, no. When we poison the rest of the Earth and can't live on the surface, that, we will have to live on airships. That was where I was going to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, a lot of people today though don't go to an office. They don't go to a anywhere. They don't go to a brewery or whatever. They don't work in a place. They work from home. Mm-hmm. They entertain themselves at home. They communicate mostly with people at home. They, their human interactions are diminished versus the past. Yeah. And people work remotely, and that's what they do. And then, and it, it seems, on the one hand, very, very convenient. It's like, sweet, I don't have to fucking put on pants. But you're like... Kind of lonely. It is. And like, I wouldn't like it. Away. Like, I wouldn't. Like, some people see their delivery guys more than they see, like, their air, air quote, friends. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's a, we should have saved some beer for after this, because it's depressing. But he got it. He got it right in many ways. Yeah, I was very impressed. For a short story to have that much information is very fascinating. Maybe though we're also just very cynical and we want to see that yeah. substantiated somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So what have we learned though in our journey of reading a whole shit ton of short stories? This is our final final short story. Thirty one short stories in a row, and we finally made it to the end. Why did we do this? May is short story month. According to Mike, I'm not even sure where he <laughs> And the Google interwebs. If you, if you go on the Google Facebooks, you find this. All right. What have we learned? Most of them really sucked. I agree. I did not have fun reading most of them. Probably half, two-thirds were like, ugh, this is garbage. You know, we started with the Telltale Heart, and I was like, this is okay. I did not think that would be better than basically everything else. And that one's like seven paragraphs long. Yeah, it is so short. Though, when it comes to short stories, shorter is definitely better. Yeah. A bunch of them were really, it took me an hour or two or close to two hours to read. Like, the machine stops. That took me a really long time to read. Bartleby the Scrivener. Yeah, that took a long a time. a short story, allegedly. And was fucking weird. Call of Cthulhu. That was some long, long too, yeah. I'd prefer not. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, that's what I would say to most short stories. I would prefer not to. The three page, like the lottery, that was great. I yeah, can do that. Very effective. You know, A Lamb to the Slaughter was very short. Great. Harrison Bergeron, fine. It was like a couple pages. That is what I want to say is a short story. Once you get beyond five pages, I want to call it a novella because then I feel like I've invested some time. I might go a little higher than five pages, but yeah, I, I see your point. They're, like once you start breaking your short story into sections, and you're like chapter two into chapters, you're yeah. fucking not a short story. You've missed the short element of it. Mm-hmm. So are you gonna go read more short stories? No, not anytime recently. Not anytime soon. I mean, take taking a month off. I would. I would have preferred just reading four books. I mean, okay, now that we've done it, I can say. I would have like had more enjoyment reading four books. I'm not sad we tried this. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's a different thing. And it's stuff we probably wouldn't have read otherwise. Yeah. And they are short. Each one of it on its own, you could read in a day or two, you know, for the longer ones. Mm-hmm. And you get something out of it. Some are worth doing that for. Some are definitely not. We're probably not going to do it next May. No, probably not. Do you have a favorite one? It's hard to pick. Lamb to the Slaughter is a really, and the Lottery or two that are really like, effective. You know, you get mm-hmm. to the end, you're like, yeah. oh, that was really 
That was really cool, what happened there. Telltale Heart also was kind of interesting. I have a lot of ones that I just remember thinking, that sucked hard, actually. Yeah. How about you? Most of them I had to like force myself to keep reading. And I read them the day before we were recording, or I would not have made myself keep reading. Uh, I definitely like Telltale Heart, as I said. You Okay, I believe, if I remember correctly, you didn't like The Lady or The Tiger, but I thought that was interesting. I don't remember what I said. I was drunk, but... It was interesting how it didn't have... It didn't tell you. You got to decide what to think. You read that one, right? I actually read that one. I liked it because at the end, you walked away and you had to think like... Like some of the others, you're like, oh, it's a twist and I got to think about a twist Mm -hmm. or whatever. But that one, you walked away and you're like, what... What yeah. you know, the what, twist was it doesn't tell, tell you, you what happens. Yeah. You get to decide what happens. So I actually like that one a lot because it made me think about well, what would I have chosen? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which is I interesting. Thought, I, I I thought that was interesting too. I have no mouth and must scream. Oh, I have no mouth. Yeah. That was really cool. That was terrifying, but but I liked it a lot. I read that one and liked it a lot as well. Like I thought, uh, I don't know. It's just. No part of that made me be like, I want to stop reading. So I enjoyed reading it. I don't know. Any story that I'm like, I want to keep reading it is enjoyable. That's my main barometer for, to this book suck or not? Is it, do I, you know, especially when you're reading like in bed or something, do I want to try to read this next page or am I cool to put it down now? And that was one that was fun to read. Weird as fuck, but mm-hmm. fun. But I liked it. I mean, I've uh, since read, started trying to read more of his stuff, so I'm going to keep working on that. Harlan Ellison. I couldn't remember that earlier. Well, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc or the, the gram and the book, uh, drunkguys slash drunkguysbookclub. And up? if you were drunk enough to listen this far, why don't you leave us a review wherever you're listening, and why don't you just round up to five stars? And don't let the machine stop you from giving that five-star review. And thank you one more time to Finn Beck and Eric for letting us hang out here for like a week and a half now. Yeah. And um, hopefully we'll be able to return, but if not, it's cool. We, we've we've uh, started receiving mail here, and you'll need a restraining order to get rid of us anyway. <laughs> yeah, I figure you guys are going to be here. You might as well let me know the next book you want to do. So I'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.